Well, starting a brand new series today leading up to Pentecost Sunday, and I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit and who He is and what He does for the next few weeks in our lives. And you know, there are times when I get a little geeky or a little nerdy, and I almost named this series of messages NUMA. And then I thought, if I put NUMA up out on the sign, somebody's going to think we misspelled Puma, which is a tennis shoe and a sporting event, and other people are going to go, what is NUMA? What in the heck is that? And then I realized everybody knows what the Holy Spirit, at least heard the Holy Spirit. I Googled Holy Spirit on music like Spotify and Apple, and there was all kinds of songs about the Holy Spirit in a secular realm as well as in the Christian realm. I, I thought about that word Newman. I like it so much, but it's not a word everybody understands. And then I thought, well, what about the old, how many of you grew up King James or you grew up in a church like I did where the Holy Spirit was referred to as the Holy Ghost? Remember that? Yeah. And then there's some, there's a series of messages I did October a few years ago where we talked about the ministry of the Holy Spirit and we just simply called it Ghost. And boy, that did generate a lot of interest. But the more I prayed and thought about and what I'd already been studying and praying, it was like we need to come to who is the Holy Spirit and you and me? How do we relate to the Holy Spirit? And so I hope that you've got your Bibles with you. I hope you've downloaded the notes because in the next few weeks, I want you to see just how important this really is. And before I get started with the message this morning, first of all, I just want to say thank you for those of you that have been joining us on Saturday night prayer. God has been answering our prayers. I also, my phone lit up this week when the CDC announced and then the governor announced, governor announced the mask mandate would be lifted. And here is the best counsel that I can give you on mask. When you're in a building like this and you're singing, um, that's the time when we're expelling the most breath. We talked about that over a year ago and why we wear masks. So I would encourage you while we sing, wear a mask. And just like we've been doing, if you're comfortable taking off your mask, after that, you're free to do so. And please don't try to impose your will or what you're doing on somebody else. If you want to wear your mask, you wear your mask. If you don't want to wear your mask, don't mask shame anybody. Let's build one another and lift one another up in Christ. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise to agree on that this morning? I had a man tell me recently, he said, you know, I will be so glad when these things are gone, but I am so thankful that we've had the good sense to be able to wear them and protect ourselves. And so let me encourage you to do that. That's all I've got to say on that subject. And um, let's just, let's respect one another and let's just not get ahead of ourselves as well. Well, Jesus talked about a lot of things. He said something that I thought was so powerful. And first of all, I just need to say, uh, it must have been cool to have Jesus around. Now just think about that. It just must have been cool. All my life, I have really wished that I could have been a disciple. Then I will think about one of my professors, New Testament professors says, none of you would have wanted to be a disciple of Christ. Because then he told how all the disciples of Christ suffered. And, and then as we thought about that, I just, I, I believe him, but I just still think it must have been so cool to have Jesus around. I mean, who else can turn water into wine? Okay, who else when it's time to pay your taxes tells Peter, go fishing and you'll catch a fish with a gold coin in his mouth. Now, don't you agree that would just simply be cool, you know, 
just to have Jesus. I mean, just think when somebody unexpected shows up for dinner and Jesus prays and he blesses the meal. And I kind of imagine that the fish and the biscuits was even better if the wine was the best that the wine steward had ever tasted. I just kind of imagine that everything Jesus did was really good and really cool, don't you? And then Jesus tells his disciples, look, it's a good thing for you that I'm going away. And I would have thought to myself, how can this be good that Jesus, you're going away? And then he tells us that if he doesn't go away, that he will not be able to send the Holy Spirit. Now, there are lots of words the Bible uses to talk about the Holy Spirit. But there's a word that is used that is kind of confusing to people sometimes, and it's poured out. What does that mean, poured out? Well, the Bible is full of symbolic language. We've seen a mother pour out her love on her children and her grandchildren. We've, we've seen a father pour out his love on his children. We've seen husbands and wives pour out their love. An outpouring of compassion you'll often hear. Someone talk about how they minister to others. And I think that's the imagery that God is just pouring out himself upon us. Now, there's something you need to know. The Holy Spirit is for every one of us who are alive in Christ. The Holy Spirit is for you. He is not against you. The Holy Spirit has come to make you more than an overcomer and more than a champion in Christ. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about being weird. Okay? We're not talking about being... The Holy Spirit is not going to make you weird. You may act weird, but the Holy Spirit is not going to make you weird. Okay, can we agree on that? Because He is the Holy Spirit. Say that with me. He is the Holy Spirit. And holiness, as we've looked at before, is love, it's truth, it's patience, it's kindness, it's long-suffering, it's temperance or self-control, it's powerful, it's all those wonderful things. So the Holy Spirit is not in the business of making people act weird. There's another thing I'd like you to understand from the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit will always accompany the Word. First of all, the incarnate word, Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit will always bring attention to Jesus. Secondly, the Holy Spirit will always bear witness to the word of God, the Bible. But there's a third thing that's so important, and that is the Holy Spirit always bears witness to the preaching of his word. Now, sometimes people don't want to hear the preaching of the word, and the Bible tells us in the last days that people will gather to themselves others that will tell them what they want to hear rather than what the Bible wants to say. Last night, Becky went to bed early, and I was kind of wound up, and so I sat down, and I watched a, a documentary on the second coming of Christ, and I got to tell you, I got so excited as I watched that documentary and thought about the coming of the Lord and thought about how the Holy Spirit helps us to lift, uh, live our lives more than an overcoming way, and I just prayed a simple prayer, Lord, help me to preach under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit like I've never preached before because these words came to me. Paul said to the church, I want you to be enriched in every way. And with all of my heart, those of you on our online campus, those of you who are here this morning, I want you to be enriched in every way and everything that God has for you because the Holy Spirit will always lead us. Listen, the Holy Spirit will always lead us to Jesus where we will bow before Jesus like we sang this morning. But the second thing the Holy Spirit will have us to do, he will always lead us to boldly express the love of God. So would you say those two things with me? The Holy Spirit will always lead us to who? Jesus. Let's say it again. The Holy Spirit will lead us to 
Jesus. And then he will lead us to boldly express the word of God, the love of God. Would you say that with me? He will lead us to boldly express. I don't know who said the last time, but you really nailed it right there, the love of God. And I am confused as to why some people think the church doesn't like them. I'm confused to why some people think the church is angry. You know, I'm used to politicians being angry. I'm used to talking heads being angry on television. I'm used to seeing angry people in in communities and cities. But the church, if we come to Jesus, we are filled with His Spirit, but we are filled with power. We don't fear anything that hell can throw at us because God's Spirit has been poured out upon us. God lives in us. And then there's an experience we will talk about later on in this series where we are baptized with His Spirit as well. So I'm going to ask you if you would stand with me out of reverence and respect for the word of the Lord, and let's go to the scriptures this morning. Jesus said, and if you can see the screen, read it with me. If you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. I will talk to the Father, and he will provide you another friend so that you will always have someone with you. This friend is the spirit of truth. The godless world can't take him in because it doesn't have eyes to see him and doesn't know what to look for, but you know him already because he will stay, he's been staying with you and he will even be in you. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask you for the next few minutes, Lord, would you speak to us through your word and would you grant me an anointing Lord, to hit a home run this morning. I mean a grand slam, Father, that will bring everyone home across the bases to fully appreciate why it was good for you, why it was good for us. You go back to the right hand of the Father so you could pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Your children in Timber Ridge this morning are studying the ascension of our Lord. And Jesus says when he ascended, he would send out the Holy Spirit. Well, the first thing I want you to know is the Holy Spirit helps me. The Holy Spirit helps me. He walks beside me. He talks with me. He talks to you. He comforts me. He empowers me. And it's vital that we see the Holy Spirit. And that's why I I wanted to take a few moments this morning and talk about these perceptions. Because how do you see a spirit? How do you see a ghost? You know, what does this mean, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit? I love the word that Jesus said, he is my friend. He is your friend. And there's nothing wrong in the world with saying what Jesus said, that he would send us a friend who lives in us. I don't see him. I've never heard his audible voice, but I've heard him many times, that little, still, small voice. Do any of you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever had that little, still, small voice speak to you? And you know, I shouldn't do that, but you do it anyway. And then later you go, why didn't I listen to that little, still? Have you ever told your children, listen to that little, still, small voice? And one time we asked one of our kids, did you listen to that little, still, small voice? They said, yeah. I said, you did? They said, yeah. And it told me to go ahead and do it anyway. And I said, well, that wasn't the voice of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) 
You see, we have to learn to recognize what the Holy Spirit says and what he doesn't say. That's the reason it's so important we understand how the Holy Spirit bears witness to the incarnate word, which is Jesus, the written word, which is the Bible, and then the preached word so that we can discern whether what's being preached is actually biblical or not. I started to bring a chair out here this morning and sit down in the chair, and, but then I thought, that's kind of silly. You don't need that. You know that a chair is a thing. You know that that's a thing. That's not a person. My wife and my son planted three trees yesterday, and I went out to look at those trees, and I was laughing as they were talking about keeping them watered so those trees would live. I bought in a crippled butterfly yesterday. He could not fly. Please don't call me a softy, but I just could not bear the thought that this little crippled butterfly was going to be eaten by a bird in my backyard or get stepped on. So I did what you should always do. I find somebody more compassionate than me. I took the crippled butterfly to Amy, and she's got him eating sugar water, and she's got flowers, and she's taking care of that little crippled butterfly. But I know that even though that butterfly and those trees are alive, they're not persons. The Holy Spirit is a person, and the Bible talks about his feelings, his emotions, his will. The Bible talks about what he desires all throughout the Bible. See, the Holy Spirit helps me because he is a person. He helps me to think. The Holy Spirit has a mind. So he helps me to think what God wants me to think. He helps me to will because he helps me to will what God wants me to will. That's the desires of the Holy Spirit. He helps me. Remember, Paul says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And we'll deal with all of these more in detail as we go through the series. But Paul says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. That's emotion. So the Holy Spirit helps me to feel. Now, I'm not going to blame bringing that little butterfly in with his crippled wing yesterday to Amy on God. But I can tell you for a moment, I had compassion where normally I would step on a bug at any time, and if they show up, I want the exterminator there quickly. Do, do you know what I'm saying? But for that moment, it was like later that evening, I thought, that's the compassion of God for those that are weak and those that are helpless, those that need our care. But even greater than that, he gives me power to be able to do the will of God. Look at this next verse of Scripture in Acts chapter 9 and verse 31. Through the help of the Holy Spirit, it, the church... Through the help of the Holy Spirit, the church was strengthened and grew in numbers as it lived in reverence for God. I see two things there. The ministry of the church is strengthened when we live in the reverence of God. If you want a strong church, if you want a strong marriage, if you want to be a strong person, then don't live for the things of this world, but live for the things of God. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you think the thoughts that God thinks. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you will what God wills. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you feel what God feels. And as you live your life in reverence for God, then you become what the Apostle Paul says in the New Testament. You become not a conqueror, but you become even more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Look at John chapter 16 and verse 7. And here Jesus says, I am telling you the truth. It's better for you that I go away. Because if I do not go, the helper will not come to you. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. You see, you and I are far more privileged to have the Holy Spirit living within us than even the disciples were when they walked with Jesus. 
And perhaps, and I'm not second-guessing my professor, he was a godly man, but perhaps if I was teaching that same class in a Bible college today, rather than say that none of you would want it to have been a disciple of Jesus, I would have said, if you want to be a passionate follower of Christ, count the cost. Because the reward of walking with Jesus and being full of his spirit and baptized in his Holy Spirit is worth more than anything in this world, including your own life. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that this morning? I love my friends. I love my friends. Even to some of you, I have said from time to time, thank you for being my friend. Some of you, from time to time, I have, I have just marveled that you have, you have been a friend to me. I've never marveled that you're a friend to Becky or to one another in the church, but that people would be my friend. And I'm not being maudlin when I say that. I wrote someone an email this week that lives out of state and calls me constantly, and I said, I just wanted to write you today because I felt like the Holy Spirit would have me to let you know I am grateful for the friendship you have extended to me. You see, the Holy Spirit is my friend. And if I have a weakness in life, and I have many, but if I have a weakness in life that at times I've had to guard about is I'm extremely loyal to my friends. I'm extremely loyal to those who have walked with me, helped me, partnered with me, whether it's been board members or whether it's been close friends that I've gone to games with, whether it's been people in the church or family, because friendships is something that is deeper than what the world understands. That word philea, that word Philadelphia love, it's a much deeper love that we want to give it credit for it, and I'll come back to that in a minute. But my friends, I want to defend their reputations as well. You see, my friend, the Holy Spirit, showed me my need of Jesus Christ because, frankly, as a young man, I was angry at God. I couldn't understand why God had healed so many other people and why I was struggling the way I was struggling. I was angry at God with my physical condition. I was bitter at God. But the Holy Spirit got past my bitterness, got past my disappointment, and helped me to see my need of Christ. This week, one of the young men in the church and I were out for a walk in the park, and we were talking about some of his dreams in life, and a lady in our community saw me. She walked over to me, and she watches the daily prayer updates, and she watches the services, and she says, Pastor Clanton, I want you to know I'm believing with you that one day Josiah is going to stand beside you, and he's going to be able to testify and share as well. And, and as we talked for just a moment about Josiah, I came home that night and thought, what if, Holy Spirit, you would let me die in my bitterness? What if you would let me die in my anger? What if you would let me die as a young man, angry and hostile at you and everything that my family and my church stood for? What if I had died in my sin? Friends, hear me today. The Holy Spirit, the greatest favor he ever does to you and I, and shows us how much we need Jesus Christ, that we need the Lord. The second thing is he not only showed me I needed Christ, but he brought me to salvation. Again, let me go back to what one of my professors used to say, and this one is just right up there. This is one of those professors I would defend to the end. Brother Bob Elliott taught us evangelism, taught us theology, 
But Brother Bob Elliott stood up and he told us one day, he says, I want you to remember the Trinity like this because you'll never understand the Trinity. You will never get past. There are no symbols to help you understand just exactly who God is because God is a mystery. But remember this, the Father thought your salvation. The Father sent his Son. The Father sent his Son, so his Son bought your salvation. And he said, but the third thing you need to know is the reason that you're a Christian today is because the Holy Spirit wrought your salvation. In other words, he worked in your life so that you saw your need for Christ and he convicted you of your sin and he convicted you of judgment. So remember those three words, thought, bought, and wrought, and you will begin somehow to get a symbol of how God works. But not only does the Holy Spirit bring me to Christ, when Becky's not around, he corrects me when I'm wrong. He corrects me when I'm wrong. And sometimes it sounds just like Becky talking to me. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's that little, still, small voice. Becky never yells. She never is insulting. She's just always had that gentle way that, you know, if you ignore that voice, you're just the dumbest person on the planet. <laughs> And that little, still, small voice we had to teach our children how to listen to, he comes along and he corrects me. And then he convinces me that I'm forgiven. I don't know if you ever struggle with this, but last night watching that documentary, I found myself praying, oh, Lord, I want to be ready. I want to be ready. I have nothing to offer Christ except my confession of him as my Lord and Savior. And again, praying last night, watching that documentary on the return of the Lord, I am convinced, I am fully persuaded he is able to keep all that I've committed to him against that day. My sins and your sins have been forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. Can we give him a hand of praise for that this morning? <laughs> Hallelujah. But he also gives me confidence that I can swing across hell on a rotten cornstalk and spit the devil in the eye and say, come on, victory, because I know he's made me more than a conqueror. He also enables me. The Holy Spirit enables me. He anoints me to be a loving husband, a loving father, a loving grandfather. He anoints me to be a pastor and a preacher of the word. And God anoints you for all the roles that you play in your life. Let me say it again. I love my friends, and so do you. And I'm tired of the devil using people who act weird to make people afraid of the Holy Spirit because my friend, the Holy Spirit, is not weird. He's holy. And that is so important. A couple of years ago, maybe a little longer, someone came in and said, can I tell you about an experience we had at a church? And I said, yeah. So he told me about all these things, and I said, well, first of all, you need to know none of that is biblical. And I said, I, I don't want to go much further than that, but everything you just told me is not biblical. There's not one place. And I said, if you want, we'll sit down. He goes, no, I trust you, Pastor. He said, I felt the same way. I know there are people that do weird things, and they say it's the Holy Spirit. I know there are people that do weird things, and then they say the devil made them do it. But my friend, the Holy Spirit, is not weird. Here are some things I wrote down. You might want to jot them down. He's compassionate. He's kind. He's gentle. He's not harsh. People are harsh. 
Don't blame your harsh, judgmental attitude upon the Holy Spirit. People are harsh. God is not harsh. He doesn't run around giving people a bad name. Instead, he helps them live up to the name of Jesus Christ. He helps me to have a higher calling. I didn't evolve from some goo and become me and you become you, but instead he helps me to live up to the image of Christ Jesus. He helps me to keep moving a little higher and a little higher and a little higher. And one day you and I will stand in his presence. And when we stand in his presence, we will be like him. We will be like him without spot or without wrinkle. But in this time that we're living in, we're growing more and more to be like Jesus Christ each and every day because of the influence of my friend. If you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. If your friend is the Holy Spirit, I can show you what your future is because you are becoming more and more like Jesus Christ every single day. Somebody say amen this morning. Hallelujah. You're becoming more like Jesus. The friend in John 14, 26, the friend, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send at my request will make everything plain to you. He will remind you of all the things I have told you. So, Pastor, has everybody, anybody ever come to you with a prophecy and said the Holy Spirit tell them, told them to tell you that? Oh, yeah. So what do you do? I listen. Most of the time, what they tell me has no basis in the word of the Lord. Occasionally, somebody will tell me something, and this happened yesterday. We were in a board meeting here at the church. I have my daughter-in-law's permission to share this. We were in a board meeting here at the church. Recently, she and I had a conversation about Josiah. And one of our board members bowed his head and closed his eyes yesterday, and he prayed for my daughter-in-law and Josiah just as though he had been listening in on the phone call. I was so overwhelmed and I was so staggered that after the board meeting, I got into my car, I called her, told her, because it was such a tender moment to see, yes, the Holy Spirit is my friend. And it was like he was letting me know and he was letting her know, I am fully aware. But everything that one of our board members prayed yesterday was right out of the scripture. The Holy Spirit doesn't come up with weird gibberish, but he tells you what the word of God says. Can we give him one more hand of praise this morning? Hallelujah. Maybe you're thinking right now, settle down, pastor. You're acting a little weird. I'm just excited about my friend, the Holy Spirit. You say, how do I get to be friends with the Holy Spirit? Well, the Bible tells you how a man who has friends must himself be friendly. Be friends with God. That's in Proverbs 18, 24. Be friends with God. Want to hang out with him. Want to hang out with Jesus. And look at this. The Lord, this is Psalms 25, 14. The Lord is a friend to those who fear him, reverence him. He teaches them his covenant. And then finally this morning, before we go to our growth work, the Holy Spirit empowers me. The Holy Spirit empowers me. I ask you to sing again this morning because I felt like it was important that we sing to the Lord, awake my soul. Long before we held those holy elements in our hands, 
long before we held that juice and that wafer that represents the body of Christ, that we lift our hands up to the name of the Lord because when we come into this place, although we're happy together, I am in awe of Christ this morning. I am in awe of God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I want him to receive the deepest reverence and gratitude. If I want anything for you and your family, it's as I want you to know him. But this is what happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But you will receive power, according to Acts 1.8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Notice, that's not an optional thing. If you want to know what the evidence of the Holy Spirit is, is that you're a witness for Christ. In everything you do, how you live, how you talk, how you breathe, what you say, you're an evidence for Christ. Oh, I believe in the prayer language. I believe in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But understand this this morning. You can operate in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but if you're not concerned about lost people dying and going to hell, if you're not concerned about your lost children and your grandchildren, you have had a counterfeit experience with the Holy Spirit. You have bought into a religious experience, and you have not had a dynamic encounter with the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and fills you, suddenly you want to bear witness to Jesus Christ and you want people to know Jesus the way you know Jesus. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I think I told you last week about someone coming up to me, a total stranger, and said, no, I don't think I told you because I was a little embarrassed. I told you. <laughs> Somebody came up to me last week in a business and says, there is an aura of goodness all about you. When you walked in, we felt it was a, it's an aura. It's goodness about you. And I looked at them, and, and it stunned me. It embarrassed me a little bit. And then I just said to them, you need to understand, if you sense anything good about me, you don't know me. It's Jesus Christ who saved me, forgave me my sins, and fills my life with his Holy Spirit. That's what's good about me, and that's God wanting you to know he wants to do the same thing for you. Amen. Friends, hear me this morning. When you are full of the Holy Spirit, there is something impossible to deny about the difference that Christ makes in your life. How does he do it? Well, he changes my identity. I'm looking at my good friend Mark in the back here, and Mark, thank you for being my friend, and this is a good time to be a realtor, isn't it, Mark? I mean, houses are selling, and there are not enough houses to go around, but see, I know Mark. Mark and I broke bread several times together. A realtor is his secondary identity. He loves and worships the ground his wife's faith walks upon, and he better or she would kill him if he didn't, but that's his secondary identity of loving faith. He loves his daughters. That's his secondary identity, but you can't be around Mark long before Mark is talking about Jesus Christ and the difference he's made in his life, and he's telling you what God did in his family, because when you become a Christian, it's not about what you do that make you successful. It's who you belong to that makes you successful. And secondly, he changes your, your primary identity because then you know that you're a child of God. 
I remember studying the play Oedipus. Any of you had to study that in high school? I remember studying that and Mrs. Ballard teaching us that. And what you may not have known is that Oedipus was, there was a prophet that made a prophecy to the king and the queen that this child would bring great harm to the family. So they bound his feet, they threw him out into a field. And that's just kind of what people did in those days. The Greeks understood that. We, we, we react in horror at that. But that's what the Greeks did and that's what the Romans did. And a shepherd came along, found Oedipus. He ended up being raised by a king. And if you don't know the story, I won't ruin the story but he was adopted by a king and became a child of the king. Here's the point. When Paul told the people of God that we have been adopted by the children of God as the children of God, they understood. Because the Romans didn't kill their babies. They either left them at the marketplace where somebody would pick them up and make them a slave or make them a prostitute when they grew up. Or they would take them to a garbage dump and let the gods decide what was going to happen to them. Christians were known for going out and rescuing those babies. And what everyone understood is that Paul was saying, the Spirit of God that bears witness in you cries out, Abba, Father, because you have been adopted as a son or daughter of God. I'm a pastor. That's my secondary identity. I'm Becky's husband. That's my secondary identity. I'm my kid's father. That's my secondary identity. But my defining identity and your defining identity this morning is that I am a child of God. That's what defines and changes my life and changes your life. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm out of time and we need to close and go home and get ready for the second service. But I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me this morning. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that during this series, you're going to receive all that God has for you. Holy Spirit, thank you for being my friend. Thank you for being a friend to this church. Thank you, Lord, for being a friend to all who call upon the name of the Lord. And I wouldn't even begin to purport or to offer that I understand the depths and the heights, God, of who you are. You're one God. You manifest yourself in three distinct personalities, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All I know is that I trust Jesus. And I am so grateful that you pour your Spirit out. And in pouring your Spirit out, you pour out yourself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit into every heart in life. So would you make us open to receive from you in this series? Holy Spirit, would you help us to grasp and comprehend who we are in Christ and what you've empowered us to do? And finally, Lord, I pray that for any that are watching this morning or here today that have never crossed the line, 
They've never been convinced that they need a Savior. I pray with this very moment, would you awake their soul? Would you awake them from their slumber? Would you awake them from that deadness that sin has brought them to and let them sense their need for Jesus Christ? And if that's you, I'm asking you to pray this prayer with me this morning, whether you're in this building or whether you're watching online. You may be even watching later in the week, just happen to come across this, and you've stayed here for a reason. But would you pray this prayer with me because something in you is telling you right now, I need to ask Jesus to come into my heart. Say, how do I do that? It's real simple. He's your friend. God is for you. He's not against you. Just talk to him. Pray this right now. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for taking my sins upon yourself. I believe in you. I trust you. And I want to follow you with everything I have. So I hold nothing back. And I ask you to come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And give me my new identity and my new personality in Christ, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning and... I heard some praying in the sanctuary. If you prayed that prayer this morning, you committed your life to Christ, I want to help you get started. If you're here, there are places right at the back where our First Touch team will give you a Bible and a packet on how to get started. I'd love to have a word of prayer with you before you leave if you've got time. and Let me pray for you. Or you can email me, and I'll send you all that I'm telling everybody about here. I'll send it to you. Well, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord remind you every day this week, you are not your own, but you are his son or you are his daughter, and that he is pleased with you in Christ his son. God bless you. Go and have a great day today.